0: Would you like to become a fascinating personality, break free from plateaus, and gain power over your mental resources and your full potential? You came to the right place. Welcome to a magical journey to yourself. This show is made in Germany. If you like the show, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or PureMindMagic.club. Welcome to Season 1, Shaping Your Reality. And here is your host, international magician, speaker, and book author, Victoria Mavis.
1: Welcome back to Pure Mind Magic and the Magic Advent Calendar. With December 9th today and my special guest, Bill Monroe, who is also a podcast host of the show Two Minute Talk Tips. I had the honor to be a guest on his show already. And today we will talk about public speaking, shifting your mindset and also touch on neurology because Bill did something really astonishing because he had to deal with a stroke And he started to overcome it by himself with working on his mindset and his thoughts and neurology. And as always, before we hit the interview, here is a quick. Christmas gift tip of today. So my advice today is the Amazon Alexa in case you are really a fan of doing everything with your voice and just giving commands when you reach at home. And the cool part is that Alexa can already play podcasts. So you just have to give the command what you would like to listen to. You can also work with all your lights, set timers with Alexa, and also play your favorite playlist from Spotify, for example. And it works also with the Amazon Fire TV stick, so you can give all the commands around your favorite episodes and as I said, podcast as well. So there is a link below and there's a special offer at the moment for Christmas to get the Alexa for only $69 in the United States delivered to your home for free. And I will leave this link so you can check that out in case you would like to upgrade your home and also save time when you get home to get everything started or ready. And now we go back to the interview with my amazing guest, Bill Monroe. Hi, Bill. How are you in this beautiful morning?
0: Oh, I, I am doing fantastic, Victoria. I'm thrilled to be here. <laughs>
1: Very good. So as I said before, I hit record, you are in this great energy already this morning. And because it's still morning, maybe, Bill, a couple of words around your morning routine. How do you start your day? You know, that's that's one of the things. Most of my uh, morning routine,
0: uh, it used to be uh, of just sort of groggily trying to get through the first few hours while I then Pour tons of coffee into me to just sort of get started. These days, my morning routine is really just just so varied, uh, depending on on my schedule. Because a lot of what I'm going to do during the day is changing so much from day to day that often it's just okay. Let's just get started and get going. Uh, but these, but on days when I have my morning starting you know, around 10, 30, and I have just a little bit more time to get going. What I found I, I really enjoy these days is getting up, being able to uh, sort of get showered and get ready for the day and just sort of sit down on the couch before there's a ton of other stuff going on, before I really start dealing with email and and getting to appointments. Sit down, put together a breakfast. You know, get the uh, you know the Amazon Echo device to go ahead and just tell me what's going on for the day. Give me a little bit of news update, a little bit of weather update, uh, and just sort of uh, refocus on what I'm gonna do that day. What I have found is that I have always been a night owl. I have never been a huge <laughs> morning guy. Um, so lately, what I've been doing a lot more of is planning my day the night before. So the last thing I am doing before I go to bed is sort of pull out the uh, the planner, or, or actually what I'm doing is I've been doing a a variant on the minimalist bullet journal approach to planning the day, and sort of structuring things out at the end of the day before. So my, my day ends with... A review of what happens. I sort of give my day a score on how well I did at taking steps towards my goals and making notes about the day and taking a step back and figuring out, okay, what do I have to do tomorrow? I've got all of this stuff to get down. What are the three goals that I have to do tomorrow in order to consider that day a success? And spread some other stuff out over the, over the following week. So what a lot of folks do is their morning routine. I end up using more as an end of day routine to sort of give my brain a chance to focus on some of that stuff while I sleep and while it works through that. And so that the next day, whether I wake up, you know, five minutes before I need to start doing something or a couple of hours, I I already have a plan in place. And once I have a plan in place, then it becomes so much easier to just go ahead and execute on that
1: plan. That makes a lot of sense. So we know how you kind of start your day and also how you end it. So we come to the middle in between. Meaning, Bill, give us an idea who you are and what you are doing and what your area of expertise is. Sure. Well, my uh, what I am a speaker,
0: a corporate trainer a product and technology evangelist, and of course, a podcast producer. Uh, so what that means from a professional standpoint is that my career is about teaching people how to sell products and how to be excited about using those products. And I've been doing this for the better part of 20 years in the technology space with companies like Microsoft and, and Toshiba. and it's really because technology is just such a powerful force that often we, we take it for granted, but the power of technology to really transform people's lives, to help people live better, more effective lives, to help get stuff done, to live where and how they want is just so amazing. And I love being able to share that story and be able to talk about that story. Ultimately, when we're talking about sales and marketing, uh, a lot of what we've been talking about lately there in public speaking, because a lot of what I do to accomplish those goals is to get up and talk in front of crowds, whether that's going to be uh, a few people, three, five, twenty, fifty, a uh, hundred, or you know, getting into the big trade shows and talking to press, or going on to home shopping channels and talking to tens of thousands of people at once. Ultimately, it's about telling stories and it's about helping people connect with how that technology isn't just a collection of features and specs. It's about what this can do for you and how this can change your life, how you can incorporate this to help you accomplish the goals that you want to accomplish. And You know, that is just so exciting for me to be able to help people make their lives better by using these technologies in ways that we couldn't, you know, 10, 15, 20 years before. And, you know, if we look at something as simple as the power of podcasting, I, I mean, it's just amazing what has happened in a very short period of time. It used to be so much that if you wanted to go out and. Speak to folks. If you wanted to go ahead and share your views, you had to go out and either sort of stand on the street corner and hope people don't throw too many things at you, or you had to go ahead and wait for somebody to go ahead and give you a stage. But you don't have to wait anymore. You can go out and make your own stage, and that is just such a tremendously Powerful thing, and and that's what I've been doing since I, as I've gone through various career challenges and some of the other physical challenges that I've had, is that okay? What can I do to share my experience? How can I go ahead and bring this to more folks and to help more folks? And that has been uh, really amazing. And the way that breaks out more practically in in the day is, you know, it's about doing the work to make that happen because. One of the things when we talk about podcasting that is so challenging is one of the things that many companies and organizations have a challenge with, with social media in general, is that it is so easy and so cheap to go ahead and get started. And it is so hard to go ahead and do it really well. And you have to put in the work and you have to put in the effort. And so I spent a lot of time. Uh, a lot of my day is working on doing those projects and producing the shows and working with guests and managing those logistics. Uh, when I'm not going out and looking for additional, um, opportunities to go ahead and, you know, actually go ahead and, and, and make money and, and fun things like that. And when I'm not doing that stuff, a lot of it is going out and doing the work I need as part of my own recovery, uh, from, from stroke to go ahead and learn to use my arm and, and my leg more effectively again, and to just generally go out and and just experience things. It's, you know, being able to go ahead and, and take that walk in that afternoon to that coffee shop and to just sit down and, write or create or read or just sort of sit there and soak in the environment and the energy of all the other people that are around are around you living their own different lives and, and just sort of soak that up. So I get to have a day that is highly variable from one day to the next. And, you know, that's why I have to plan things out the night before is because each day can be so incredibly Different and so incredibly busy and so incredibly awesome.
1: Hmm. That was a gave us a good glance of your life and what you are doing. And I think there is so much truth to what you said. And I think it doesn't go only for podcasting. It is very easy to start things, but then it's about to have this continuity and put in the energy on a regular basis so that things really happen. And this is the thing that really takes commitment and a lot of energy, I think. So Bill, you mentioned your stroke from your personal story and what you have gone through and you even created a special podcast for this topic. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that as well as I remember when I was on your show, the two-minute talk tips, you were mentioning that you got in touch because of your personal story with neurology and how our mind and brain works and kind of controls our body can you tell us something about that
0: sure sure so on um you know it's interesting this has been a, a fascinating journey for me because i you know i am just I'm a marketing guy. I now know way more about neurology and neuroplasticity than any marketing guy should ever have to know. But um, on June third of 2017, I sort of went to bed like I do on, did on a on a normal day. It was a Friday night, uh, so June second was Friday night. Went to bed at about one in the morning, and I woke up at seven in the morning. Um, to go use the bathroom and my arm felt a little funny. My left arm felt funny. I figured I had sort of slept on it wrong and, you know, like like you do and, and that it was just sort of asleep and just a little fuzzy. I was like, okay, whatever. So I get up, um, m- move around, and my, my arm doesn't seem to be getting any better. It doesn't seem to be waking up. And then a few minutes after that, my left leg sort of went offline. I started having balance issues. I started just not being able to uh, stand on it. And it just sort of wasn't responding right. Managed to look in the mirror. And uh, my face was sort of halfway starting to droop. And at that point, I knew what was happening. We've had a lot of awareness lately. And I've had a lot of other folks in my life who have had to deal with stroke, and I realized that's what I was doing. I was having a stroke at age 46, which you never expect to happen. Woke up my girlfriend, let her know what was going on, and called the ambulance, and I spent the next month living at the hospital. Basically, what had happened was long-term high blood pressure, which had been under control for the previous six to nine months, but I had had very high blood pressure for a couple of years, had done some damage to uh, my circulatory system, and a blood clot formed in the middle of my brain at a part of the brain called the basal ganglia, and this is the part of the brain that, for those of us who are into technology, it's sort of like where the device drivers for the human body are stored, It's the part of the brain that translates from what you want your limbs to do uh, to how those instructions actually go to the limbs. So my brain essentially forgot how to use my arm, my hand, my leg. And uh, it happened over several hours, so... From the time I woke up until at seven to about three o'clock in that afternoon, I continued to lose functionality, continued to have things go offline. And it finally stabilized at about three in the morning and or three in the afternoon. And then after that, it was all about the next couple of days where let's make sure you're not getting any worse. And then let's get you into recovery. Let's get you working. Let's get you figuring out how to stand again. And I started not being able to stand. I started moving around in a wheelchair. And then the awesome therapists at the hospital had me in parallel bars, had me supported with multiple people, had me just learning all these other things. Because what I had to do at that point was rewire my brain. And this is what's really amazing about the power of the human brain is – this is something we didn't really think happened 20 or 30 years ago. And there's still a lot of people who think that, you know, the brain cells you got at birth, that's all you're ever going to get. But what we've since learned is that you can generate new brain cells. And more importantly, you can repurpose your brain cells by rote tasks, by making your brain go ahead and do things and try things and take a different approach and reshape itself and do tasks over and over and over again, you can cause new connections inside your brain to happen. So over the next month and really continuing since then, my brain has been rewiring itself. It's been building new connections around that chunk of scar tissue that's in the middle of my head now. Um, because what the stroke did was it basically starved a whole bunch of cells of blood. And so those cells are dead. They're not coming back. But what we can do is we can build new connections that go around that. And that's what's called neuroplasticity. The idea is that the brain is plastic, that it's able to rebuild itself. It pairs with another concept that is that uh, cells that fire together wire together. So what that means is is that the more you do something again and again and again, at the beginning, you have to concentrate on it. You have to think about it to make those things happen. But the more you do it, the more connections in your brain become wired into doing that almost automatically. It becomes easier and easier. And I'm, I'm sure, Victoria, this is something that you encounter in your own uh, stage performance. It has you perform your illusions and make the magic happen it it doesn't happen easily the very first time you do it you have to do it again and again and pre- uh, and practice again and again and eventually your body just starts doing those things your fingers just start doing those things over and over again because of the power of neuroplasticity you've built those connections those deeper uh, neural connections in your head to make that process happen. So you can just sort of do that mental shortcut of, okay, make my hand do this, make my card, my, my, my fingers do this illusion, whether it's gonna be in close up, or whether it's gonna be on the stage. And it almost starts to happen automatically because that essentially is what's happening in your brain. And we all go through this process from the time when we are infants and toddlers and infants and toddlers, they start just sort of moving their limbs when they start to find them. And then they start discovering them and figuring out slowly how to control them. And then they start pulling themselves up from the ground and start trying to stand and wobble around and walk. And over the next few years, they get better and better and better and more stable at walking. They start building up a repertoire of language by sort of just starting with making sounds and random sounds and figuring out what results they get from that as their brains start building that vocabulary and building structure of grammar and building that language. All of that happens as we're growing up. And after a stroke or after a traumatic brain injury, that's what we have to try to do again as adults. So when I walk today, I walk with a cane. Uh, And I have a big clunky ankle brace on because when I when I take steps, I don't automatically lift my toes up as part of my step yet because I'm not fully connected to those muscles in my ankle and in my foot. I'm still rebuilding those connections and I can sort of start to move my arm now, but I can't actually sort of open my fingers yet and open my fist yet, so I don't really have that full functionality. But what happens is my brain is rebuilding those connections. It's figuring out, okay, now first, how do I talk to the shoulder? How do I talk to the upper arm? How do I talk to the lower arm? How do I talk to the wrist? And it's building those connections and doing all of that rewiring. When you look at somebody who's had a stroke and maybe they're bound in a wheelchair, maybe they um, you know, don't have use of their limbs or they've got other challenges, maybe they have trouble swallowing and... Or moving their mouth to make words. Here's the thing there is nothing wrong with their arm or their leg, especially in the early stages. And just like in my case, there's nothing wrong with my arm. There's nothing wrong with my leg. Everything that's wrong, the entire problem is literally and physically all in my head. And doing the work of therapy and doing the work of focusing on my exercise and trying to do routines, thousands of times to repetition. It's about changing physically the layout of my brain to relearn how to do this stuff and to make this happen.
1: Wow, that was really a lot. And you mentioned really some key points there, Bill, I think with the thing you said, it's hard to start something in the beginning until you get used to it, you're right. It's the same with the magic. But I think with every new skill we learn. So we suck in the beginning and then we get better and better with it because it is like a muscle that is trained over and over and the more you do it, the better and the more often you do it, actually it can become a habit then in the end. I think the same goes for imagination and visualization. So it's tough to start it in the beginning, but you get better with it.
0: So- Absolutely, and you have to be willing to suck at things at the beginning. You have to be willing to fail at things. And you know what? That's okay because that's how
1: you learn and that's how you get better. That's it. So from everything you said, Bill, I have two questions for you, Bill. So the first thing is, do you think that sometimes in life we have to be faced with bigger challenges In whatever area that steers us into a direction, because maybe it is like that without your stroke, you would never have thought of diving into the field of neurology. And the other question for you is as you laid it out, would you also say that it is possible, really, by changing our brain and rewiring? The neurons in the brain that we can actually change the body. I think there is this concept now that by thinking different thoughts on a regular basis, we really can make an impact and even switching on and off genes in our system just by thinking about it and really making this differences in our brains that are can be even seen on a screen.
0: I think there is a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stuff in those, those concepts there. Uh, to begin with, I think when we look at the idea of having really negative things happen to us, I think that can spur change. One of the things the brain does is it tends to be, it tends to be lazy. You know, when we talk about neuroplasticity and building up those connections by road, it's also the brain doesn't have to spend a lot of energy doing those things over time. Once you've got that connection, once you've got that pattern in there, it's a lot easier to coast on autopilot. And sometimes that's fantastic, like like walking, because we think of that as such a simple thing. But if you actually break down what happens in your legs while you're walking, it's not just one foot in front of the other. Taking a step involves sort of um, lifting multiple muscles in your hip to start moving your thigh forward while you activate your hamstrings in the back of your thigh to swing your foot backwards slightly to pick it up and then swing it forward to make that step and then put down your your heel first or uh, to sort of start rolling through that step or uh, and and one of those things I am so grateful for about being a guy is that I never have to deal with the idea of high heels, which <laughs> uh, which you know then is a different walking process because you have to learn to not necessarily put down your heel first because that's going to be less stable. And once we start breaking down the process of walking, you know it becomes very difficult to walk once you start to think about it. But the brain is very good about adapting to those patterns and about being lazy in that respect and being highly efficient, which I think is why a lot of times negative events, trauma, having a stroke, losing a job, losing a loved one, having your life completely turned upside down is an opportunity to transform things and to really start building success later in life and, and start doing new things. I know, like I said, I never would have gotten in this, into neurology unless I had had this stroke, unless I had had this experience that robbed me of a lot of abilities and nearly killed me at the same time. I don't think it's necessary strictly to have, <clears throat> to have these things happen, to have uh, terrible events happen in your life in order to get you going along the path uh, to a different way. But I think without those things, it can be a lot more difficult because it's a lot simpler to just slip into our patterns. So you have to consciously break your patterns. You have to consciously decide that, you know, I don't like the way life is right now. I don't like what I'm doing. I don't like this. How am I going to do things differently? And with a big negative event happening, then yeah, you're kind of forced to make those changes. Uh, in, in some cases in an instant is as as your life gets turned upside down and you have to go ahead and break things, go from crisis management to figuring out, okay, now how do I do this longer term? Um, and, and it forces you into that change. It forces you to get up off the couch and to go ahead and do something different. But I don't think it is strictly necessary. It's simply one thing that just shakes up our routine if you have the ability to go ahead and shake up your own routine and we all have the ability to shake up our own routine you know and that can be as starting as simple as going in a different direction uh, on our commute to work uh you know i'm a big fan of uh, uh, uh of doctor who and i love that show it's so awesome i'm excited <laughs> for, for it coming back and uh, there's an episode, and I always mix up my rights and lefts, and I'm sure it's the fact that the Brits drive on the wrong side of the street that confuses me on this, but um, uh, there's an episode called Turn Right or Turn Left where uh, one of the characters has to make a major change in her life and her major direction in life, and it's affected by just does she make a small decision to make a left turn or a right turn on her way to an appointment to cancel an appointment, and... It can change everything, but we have to be willing to make those changes, to make those different directions and to choose where to go because that will make all the difference. Now, in terms of actually going ahead and changing your body and changing your mind, um, yeah, there's tremendous power. One of the things I've come to be more and more aware of over the last year and a half as I've looked into neurology and understood this more is just the nature of physical versus versus mental. <clears throat> you know, a lot of what we've been talking about as we've learned a lot more about things like mental illness and the challenges around depression and, and, and other conditions that more folks uh, deal with is that we've had to spend a lot of time breaking down the stigma associated with that, that mental illnesses are illnesses. And taking that a step further, one of the things I have come to understand more and more of is that the distinction between the physical and the mental is a lot fuzzier and a lot narrower than we often think of it as. It's not a strict thing. You can't just go ahead and, and, and just, you know, it, it's not just an analogy that, that a mental illness is a physical illness. There is just a lot more going on in there the brain is all about processing that data and you have to get accurate data from different parts of the brain in order to produce the results and then to go ahead and make those changes because the direction you set your brain on the direction you you create and you you chart for yourself to go forward the brain will try to respond to that and will try and give you what you need in order to do those results but you have to take charge of it one of the things i've uh, I've, I've begun thinking a lot more about and come to understand is that we often think of the brain as a computer. And, you know, we started thinking of the brain this way because it was a way for us to understand computers 20, 30, 40 years ago is that they're like the brain and that they control things. And then we started thinking of, uh, you know, the brain is like a computer to understand that, how it controls and directs everything else in our lives. And I even made a computer analogy earlier. But the brain isn't really a computer. The brain is the Internet. The brain is not one part, one thing that controls everything else going on inside our heads and in our minds. It is broken down into different parts of itself that provide instruction and that provide insight and that competes with other parts of the brain. You've got, you know, we we talk about, you know, the fight or flight from the lower brain, the lizard brain, that controls you know our base impulses that controls how we respond to stress we've got you know our higher brain which controls how we uh try and make decisions and process the modern realities to overcome our animal instincts we've got you know just the process of trying to change the data coming into our eyes into stuff we're actually going ahead To take advantage of and turn that data into information and all of this is happening while our brains are you know also rejecting nearly everything that they see everything we hear everything we see everything that we feel and i'm i think this plays a part in you know the misdirection that that you work with in in magic and in illusions is that We see everything with our eyes. All of that data comes in, and we just have to reject everything uh, except what we focus on. Our ears, I mean, if you think about it, whenever you go ahead and try to listen to something, you're just focusing on different data that's already coming in. You know, at a moment, if you start to think about it, you are listening to, when you're listening, you're hearing your breath. You're hearing the blood flowing through your ears. You're hearing the air conditioning or the heater. You're hearing, you know, the computer fans and the fans on all of other devices and the hum of the refrigerator and the subtle hum of traffic outside and all of that you're hearing all at once. That's all coming into your head and your brain is just trying to reject nearly all of that data to only focus on what you need to focus on. And this tremendous power in that and how you can take advantage of that. So what that all comes down to, it's a long way of saying that, you know, we can use parts of our brain to react to other parts of our brain. And when we start turning on other capabilities and start directing our brain to go ahead and rewire things to develop a new skill, you know, that's what we're doing. And I think when you talk about activating genes. The way genes get activated in our cells, it's because instructions are coming to those cells. And those instructions are coming in the form of electrical impulses or chemical impulses that come from other places in our brain. And that's one of the things why we can go ahead and change things and focus on things and really start changing what we're going to do with our lives. One of the things I tell people is that, you know, there's a There's a saying that is often attributed to Henry Ford. I don't know if he actually said it or not, but regardless, and that's that whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Because if we tell ourselves and we convince ourselves that we cannot do something, whether that's physically we cannot do it or mentally we cannot do it, you know what? We are not going to be able to do it. It's that simple. If we tell ourselves that this is not within our ability, then it's not going to be within our ability. Our, our brains will adapt to make that our reality because we are going ahead and creating our own reality. Now, on the flip side, we tell ourselves that we can do this. We can make this happen. You know, sometimes that is not enough. Sometimes there are going to be physical limitations that you just can't overcome. But the only way you're going to overcome any of them and try to figure out which ones you can and can't do is by focusing on it, by convincing yourself that, yes, this is something I can do. Direct those mental resources to Fire up those internal connections in your head to help build those patterns, to help understand your body and help your body understand how it can move those limbs, how it can do that, how it can do that work. And it may not happen right away. It may not happen tomorrow or next week or next month. But when you start building those patterns and start doing that work over the next year, two years, five years, you can really have tremendous abilities to change the direction you're going to want to go. But it's not easy and it's not just going to happen it's going to take the work and it's going to take that that persistent attitude it's going to take that belief that you can go ahead and make that happen and when you can get all of that stuff aligned you can be unstoppable
1: What amazing words, Bill. That sounds so motivational. And maybe you can turn that into a practical advice for the listeners because before we started the interview, you had a really good, like, magic trick on how to do an instant mindset shift when you are focused on something negative or something where you have the feeling you can't do.
0: Absolutely. And language is one of those most powerful things that we use. And we have to be very careful about how we use language because words have power. And, you know, if we look at the, uh, you know, what we know from literature and what we know from, you know, you know, from fantasy novels and, and all of that, all of that other stuff, all of the, uh, the, the sort of collective consciousness that goes along when we talk about magic and we talk about the power of magic words to make things happen is because those words have power in our reality and in our lives to go ahead and create our own reality. And the most magical word, the most powerful word that I find in the English language right now, and, and I'd love to hear if there's a German – and what the German equivalent of this word is as well, is the word yet because I can't use my hand yet i can't run yet i can't walk really quickly yet you know and that simple word putting that at the end of a sentence transforms that entire statement from one of giving up for one of accepting that this is the new reality to one that acknowledges the reality of today but makes plans to make things different tomorrow And, you know, one thing I would ask all of your listeners to do is that after they get done listening and get off the road and get someplace safe to just go ahead and post on on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever your social media platform is of choice on Instagram and just say, just choose something that you want to be able to do in your life that you don't have that skill yet. And just say, I can't do blank hashtag yet. Let other people know that you are going to make these changes, that you are going to do what you have to do to accomplish this goal in order to make this happen. Think of all of the limitations that you want to overcome, not as just the static of today, but the dynamic aspect of yet, that I can do this differently tomorrow if I start doing the work
1: now. Very good. That is really magical advice here, I would say, Bill. So how is it best to connect with you? What are your two podcasts called again so that listeners easily can find you and connect with you?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You can connect with me on Twitter where I am at currently Bill. But I spend a lot of my time producing my shows at StrokeCast, which is um, all about stroke recovery, where I – Connect stroke survivors and medical professionals and caregivers to help share their stories and to talk about the power of of their own recovery and the power of what they're learning and the exciting things in their future through StrokeCast. So you can find that over at StrokeCast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So uh, StrokeCast. It's uh, the theme of the show is a Generation X stroke survivor explores rehab recovery the frontiers of neuroscience and one-handed banana peeling and that is where we are where i talk about this stuff and i share other people's stories and have some fascinating discussions with other folks about that now my other show which is longer running and it's the show i was i was thrilled that you were able to join me on victoria and that is 2 minute talk tips Two-minute talk tips I started after having an unexpected career change. I wanted to have something to do and to figure out uh, more about public speaking. And in two-minute talk tips, I help folks become more effective public speakers in as little as two minutes a week. So each episode starts with a practical tip in the first two minutes that can help you be a more effective public speaker and presenter tomorrow. And then we go into a longer discussion about... Aspects of public speaking, how to use PowerPoint, how to build a presentation, the importance of defining your goal and the direction you want to go, figuring out what you're going to talk about. And I also interview fascinating speakers about how public speaking plays a role in their lives. And you can find that over at twominutetalktips.com. That is with the number two. Um, so twominutetalktips.com. Or, again, just search for Two Minute talk Tips in your favorite podcast app and you can find our find the show there as well.
1: Fantastic. So, I think we covered it all and Bill I can really hear that you are producing a lot of high-value content with your two shows. And hopefully, a lot of the listeners are drawn to the shows and check out more what you are doing there, giving away more wisdom in the two fields. I think it's really interesting what you're working on there. So thank you so much for being on Pure Mind Magic today and sharing your knowledge and insights with. With you. I wish you a magical day, Bill, and talk to you soon.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun.
1: Thanks again, ladies and gentlemen, for joining me today at Pure Mind Magic and December 9th with Bill Monroe. So, Just remind you of the gift tip of today, the Amazon Alexa. And by the way, it has also a really great sound when you pick the bigger version where I put the link in the show notes so you can listen to all your favorite music directly without any additional speakers to it. So I I think you are curious about my guest tomorrow, December 10th. And on the show will be Bree Seeley. She has really an astonishing energy. And she talks about hypnotherapy and manifestation. She's the author of the best-selling book, Permission to Leap. We could say that she's a transformational coach and she also has some insights into quantum physics. So we had an amazing conversation around all of these topics. And I'm sure you will have some great takeaways that you can put into place into in your life. Brie also has an anti-manifestation challenge and she just started a new round this week so you can hop on that as well. You will find everything in the episode tomorrow and in the show notes that go with this episode. So talk to you tomorrow. Until then, create some magic.